Hi, this is Tiffany Bova. Welcome to this week's What's Next podcast, where I have the pleasure of welcoming Chester Elton to the show. He has spent two decades helping clients engage their employees to execute on strategy, vision, and values. In his provocative, inspiring, and always entertaining talks, the number one best-selling leadership author, Chester, provides real solutions to leaders looking to manage change, drive innovation, and lead a multi-generational workforce. His work is supported by research with more than 850,000 working adults, revealing the proven secrets between behind high-performing culture and teams. Elton is co-author of the multiple award-winning New York Times and number one USA Today and Wall Street Journal best-selling leadership book, All In, The Carrot Principle, The Best Team Wins, and most recently, Leading with Gratitude. His books have been translated in more than 30 languages, have sold more than one and a half million copies worldwide, and he's just an all-around great guy. So welcome to the show, Chester. Well, thank you, Tiffany. That was a wonderful introduction. It's always a pleasure to be with smart and innovative and fun people like you. Oh, well, great. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you spending some time with us uh, to talk about these in super important topics, uh, considering kind of where we are in the world. But before we jump into that, I'm going to do the infamous or famous, depending on what you might think, <laughs> uh, bullish and bearish. Uh, it's just three quick questions to get the creative juices flowing. Not that I think you need it, but it's just a fun way to get us going. So bullish, you're for it. Bearish, you're against it. Are you ready? I am ready. Go for it. All right. First one, robots developing emotional intelligence. Uh, I'm bearish on that. I think uh, emotional intelligence belongs with us and there's enough emotion in the world now without adding a whole army of robots. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Okay. The next one, recognition is what employees crave over more money, bullish or bearish. You know, I'm I'm very I'm very bullish on that. I think that you know money is really important. I think that affirmation that what you do matters, that you make a difference, that you're making a difference for your company, your community, and your family, those need to be reinforced now more than ever. So I'm very very bullish on that. Excellent. All right, and the third one: teams can be effective virtually. Yes, I, I'm actually very bullish on that. I think that this is going to very much become the new normal. We've got to figure out ways. And the thing I like about virtual teams is the, the global scope of that. You know, often when we think of teams, we think of everybody being in the same room. Now we can think of everyone being in the same Zoom room. And we can bring in the guys from India and Singapore. We can bring in the guys from South America. So I think the better we get at that, the more innovative we're going to be. So bullish on that. Excellent. Well, I, and I think it's the perfect segue. Thank you for those for those great answers. And I think that that's the perfect segue to jump into our conversation because, um, you know, you've done so much work uh, in the carrot principle and teams and and leadership. And and I'd love to get your perspective. You know, for those listening, uh, I don't necessarily. Well, let me ask you. Do do you like the term new normal? You know, uh, not I'm not crazy about it in the sense that I think we're always progressing and that normal is meant to be disrupted. So new normal it, to me is like a destination. Now it's the new normal. Well, I don't think we're going to get normal ever again. And we've got to continue to pivot, to innovate and move forward. So I'm not crazy about that phrase. Yeah, me either. Uh, because I also think there was so much inequality in the last normal. <laughs> 
that if we just sort of strive to go back to the way that it was, I think we'd miss a great, huge, big opportunity, but for another day, I guess. Yeah. Um, but if, if we say, you know, from a work team collaboration perspective, uh, what have you really, well, what has surprised you? Because if you go back to, let's go back to 2019, right? We haven't hit 2020 and you've obviously been having these conversations about effective teaming and uh, leading with gratitude and sort of, you know, how you do things and recognition and all. And then you say, okay, and then comes 2020. There's this gap between what it was and, and wherever it's going to end up. What was the most surprising to you about how people responded uh, in this work from home lockdown uh, reality we are in right now? You know, I think the thing that was really surprising to me, and, and I went through it myself, was just feeling safe. This, this idea that I was safe uh, in my job, in my relationships, in my community, that all of a sudden personal safety became the number one thing. You know, it's interesting. I live just outside New York City in, in New Jersey. And, you know, things are starting to calm down. Things are loosening up a little bit. People are, are, are going out a little more and we're keeping our social distancing and, and so on. You know, to me, the biggest thing is working remotely is I, I, I trust that my employers, this is what I'm hearing from my friends and family. I trust my employer to keep my workplace safe. I don't know that I trust the transit system to get me safely there, right? So not only was I all of a sudden, you know, hunkering down in my home and doing all that kind of stuff, and did I feel safe in my position and, and secure in my job? Now I'm, I'm thinking about going back to work and, and do I feel safe? So that word safe just keeps popping up again and again and again. Am I safe? Are my customers safe? Is my community safe? Does that, does that resonate with you? Absolutely. And I think that goes back to my comment a, a minute ago, right, about going back to normal, that, you know, if you have this deeper appreciation for, you know, let's just say the people that have kind of kept us all going during this time, whether it's grocery workers and delivery workers and the healthcare workers and, you know, the heroes versus the sports figures or the entertainers or the musicians, right? That the people that kind of keep this all going um, and, and go, going back to your point, you know, kind of keeping us safe. I think that, that we now have this new uh, renewed perspective about what it means to be in a community. Absolutely. You know, it's so interesting. I, when I was much younger, I lived in Italy for a couple of years and loved everything Italian. And one of the things you love about Italians is they're so physical. You know, they're always grabbing you and hugging you and kissing you and slapping you and, you know, whatever. Well, of course, they've been the hardest hit for, for a lot of reasons an aging population and the fact that they are so physical. And so you say, going forward, gosh, what does that look like? You know, all of a sudden, do you not get to kiss on both cheeks? To, and how does that affect relationships and, and, and going forward? And there's a, there's a lot to discover and there's a lot to learn. I think first and foremost, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, this physical and psychological safety and holding each other accountable in our communities, that we've got to get very comfortable with, if someone comes up and say, says, hey, where's your mask? Or why aren't you wearing gloves? That we don't take offense, right? That we choose to say, hey, thank you for that. You know what? You're right. I should, I should put on my mask, or I should do this, or I should do that. I think as a community, this, this idea of 360 degree accountability is going to be very important. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting to me. My dad, who was my greatest advocate and my best friend for forever, he had a great saying. And he'd say, you know, you, Chess, you have to choose to be offended. And I thought that was just great advice. And I think in, in what we're going through, 
you've really got to assume positive intent on people and you, you need to choose to not be offended. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. And and so I wonder, because, you know, some I often say, you know, email has no emotion, right? right? Like there's no tone, there's no emotion in email. So the intention behind the email be, may be completely misinterpreted on the other end, right? right? Because you don't see the person's face or you don't see their expression or you hear the tone in their voice or they're laughing when they say it, you lose all that. And so I wonder now if that... Um, will amplify because video is going to be part of the conversational norm for some time that will that uh, being offended, you know, what does that look like? Does that change because of the fact that now we're using video, you know, where it used to kind of, you could kind of hide behind the phone or an email in a communication style, if you will. Now with video, it is literally truly like you're right next to someone. Yes. And, and you can, like you say, you can see the facial tics. And I, I always like to watch, do they look to the upper right-hand corner of their laptop? Because that means they're checking the time. You know, it's like, you know, he looked at his watch or she looked at his watch, right? So I, I think it does help. I will tell you, though, I think the world is getting zoomed out a little bit. You know, uh, there are days when I just think my eyes are bleeding at the end of the day, you know, and I, I really do hope that we do get back to that I can be physically with people and, and, and I'm sure we will. I think the hardest thing about the virus is just when, you know, when is that going to happen? You know, I, I've lived here in the East Coast for a long time. Hurricane Sandy, it was an event and it was over. You know, 9-11, it was an event and then we recovered and we rallied. The, the hard thing about this is just not knowing when it's going to end. And so you're right, the, the emails, the, the, the Zooming, the phone calls, however we do it, I think we've got to find a really good mix of all of that. And we need to find more and more ways to connect with people because we're going to be missing that physicality of being in the same room. What, what do you think? Well, I have a question back for you. You know, I did I did something uh, a few weeks back where I went out and asked um, sort of salespeople, sales leaders, you know, where are the top of mind questions? And one of the questions we got back was, you know, I used to be where I am a face-to-face seller. Like, you right. know, that, that's my relationship platform. It's how and where I do things. It's face-to-face. I drive to my clients. You know, I talk to them about whatever they need and, you know, whether I'm selling, you know, uh, uh, groceries or whether I'm selling liquor or whether, whether I'm selling pharmaceuticals like, or, or cars. I mean, you know what I mean? Like it was a, it was a physical face-to-face. And so the question came back, how do I stay connected and how do I add value and how do I, how, how can I be engaging now that I'm not physically in front of someone and for a career that requires relationship, I don't, I'm not saying it requires face-to-face. I'm just saying it depends a lot on relationship. What would you suggest to people on how to maintain a level, level of intimacy and relationship and value and collaboration uh, remotely? Well, I think it's a great question. And, and you know, you want to get ahead of that before the emotionally sentient robots take over. Right? <laughs> Another reason why we don't want emotional robots. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think you've really got to become a master of communication and in the sense that you've got to find other ways. You know, it's really interesting. I grew up in sales and love salespeople. You know, I, I think salespeople are the most underrated 
part of uh, our, our society. You know, I had a, a sales boss who was great. He says, uh, "How do your how do your college grads? You know, your your how do they feel about you being a salespeople?" Like, well, some people kind of poo poo it. He said because they'll say, "I hate selling," and he and he gave me this great phrase. He says, "You know what? They don't hate selling. They hate not selling." Because if they were selling, trust me, they would love that job. <laughs> you know? Oh, they hate rejection. They yeah, reject yeah, they hate that part. Really, really rejected. I call I call myself a recovering seller because I no longer carry a quota, but I did for twenty years. It's kind of where I cut my teeth in business and kind of what paid the bills for me for a very, very long time selling technology. And so now I just advise. But you know, at the <laughs> end of the day, I think you know, as Dan Pink says, to sell is human. I think there's so many things there, but. It just comes down to, uh, you know, for the extroverts, maybe this just is a new medium and you have to get a little comfortable with it. But for introverts that sometimes can sit in meetings and not participate, which I don't I don't advocate by any stretch uh, or people kind of, you know, talk over them or ignore their comments or their suggestions. What about for the introverts, regardless of industry, you know, and how they can navigate this? Well, again, I think it comes down to you've got to be multimedia at this point. You know, you do have the Zoom calls and the video calls and, you know, Microsoft Teams, whatever platform you're using. I think you've got to you've got to get back to some old school things as well. You know, uh, the, the, the simple handwritten note that I think, you know, is is very personal. And I, and I find always timely because when people open that note, they've set aside time to read that note. Right. Simple little gifts in the mail. I mean, Amazon is still, you know, rampant. Simple little things that say, hey, I was thinking about you. This reminded me of you. And and not, you know, as a salesperson, you got to be careful. I mean, don't be dropping Rolex watches in the mail, right? You got you to have some, some boundaries there. So over and above the video chats and so on, the simple little notes, the simple little reminders, the emails that are not easily misinterpreted. I think more and more we've got to be multimedia in our approach as salespeople to, to build up those relationships. And I think a lot of that comes to the things that good salespeople are already doing. They know their customers. They know what they're passionate about. Is it their family? Is, do they have a favorite charity? Are there certain things in their lives that are important to them that you can very subtly and very carefully and, and, and very you know, uh, sincerely connect to keep that relationship going. And, and I think that will ever be the case. Now, introverts, I think it now becomes easier. You don't have to be the jovial in play, you know, the classic sort of profile of a salesperson. You can be very thoughtful. You can be very almost pedantic about it, you know, that you, you've set aside how you're going to communicate and what your cadence is. So I think there's there's opportunities all over the place. And I've never been a believer that there is a sales profile. I think, you know, people sell in a lot of different ways and all can be effective if they make that commitment. I agree. And, and you know, one thing you just said there is um, really staying kind of true to who you are from a leader perspective at the moment, you know, having to be very transparent. And you mentioned it a couple of times that kind of feeling safe and trusting that your employees will keep you safe and, you know, for a leader to communicate that to employees at scale in real time, depending how large you are, if everyone is working from home, if you didn't have things in place to really communicate like that, maybe even on a daily basis, you know, in the morning, here's what's happened at night. Here's what's happened. You know, just keeping that dialogue going as a leader uh, for those listening who either manage teams or, you know, have entrepreneurs have their own companies or executives in, in large uh, Fortune 1000 companies or global 5000 companies, you know, what's the best way 
to you know, lead with gratitude, be transparent, trustworthy, and communicate during this time as a leader when you cannot be face-to-face? Well, I, I think that one-on-one time is really important. You know, so often some of the myths around leading with gratitude is, gee, I'd do more of it if I had time. And what, what we discovered in our research, and now our research database is over a million engagement surveys, is that the best leaders that led with gratitude, it was an hour a week. It was 2% of their time out of a, you know, out of a, a 50-hour work week to connect one-on-one. And the two questions I love that great leaders use in leading with gratitude is, how are you doing today? And almost through the virus, it's almost like, how are you doing now? <laughs> you know, because right. 10 minutes ago, you might have gotten some bad. You were doing great up until that, you know, news feed popped up on your phone. So how, how are you doing now? And how can I help and listen and follow up? Just those simple, quick little little conversations, you know, asking and soliciting for input and then acting on that input is a, is a wonderful form and expression of gratitude. You know, your voice matters, your opinion matters. And I'm going to carve out the time so that we can have these conversations and follow up with you. I think that's a great gift that sales leaders give to their teams, sales or not. Yeah. And I just, yeah. And I'm talking leaders all up, right? I I just use sales as that kind of, because it tends to be such a personal profession, if you will. Right. Right. Um, And, and, uh, you know, in, in, t- in thinking about kind of leading with gratitude, I, I found some of your research just really fascinating. You know, there's, uh, I forget who said, you know, people don't quit companies, they quit bosses, right? right. And and uh, I know you've done a lot of work on um, surveying all these adults over the last decade. And, and you found one thing that's most likely to make employees feel better about their jobs and most bosses have no idea what it is. What was surprising to you in that? And then tell people what it was versus what they might think it is. Well, they wanted to be valued and appreciated. You know, it's really interesting. It's the the least used tool in the toolbox of of leaders. You know, to me, it's so interesting that and most leaders don't know how to show gratitude or appreciation to most of their employees. They'll they'll project. You know, we had one uh, one leader at the overnight delivery company. We'll, we'll 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 say it's DHL because well, that's who it was. And uh, he said, "Look, I give everybody Starbucks cards because everybody loves Starbucks." I said, "Well, ask your team." And he said, "Well, some of them said, yeah, I like Starbucks, or there's not a Starbucks near to me." One uh, employee said, "Look, I really don't like Starbucks at all. My neighbor loves Starbucks, and so thank you for recognizing." my neighbor for all my great work, you know? So this, 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 this tool of of recognition and appreciation and gratitude. And, and I love gratitude because I think it's more of an emotional connection. You know, often we think of appreciation, recognition is the thing, you know, the plaque, the trophy or whatever. Gratitude to me is deeper. It's, it's, I have a relationship with you. I, I know how to value and appreciate you. You know, is it time with your family? Is it working with a customer more deeply? And so on, and and again, those those human relations that are so important. So, know your team, know know how to recognize them, and and don't forget that people need to be validated. You know, the, the other thing, just really quick, Tiffany, is I, I love the pushback when leaders say, "Well, you can do it too much." I go, "Really?" They go, "Yeah, yeah, it becomes trite. You get too much." I said, "You know, we've got a database of a million engagement surveys, and." the question I've been recognized or appreciated for my work in the last seven days is always one of the lowest in almost every survey we've ever seen. And then you look at that leader's 360 
and you say, yeah, I've seen your 360 and I've seen your recognition scores. Trust me, you are not that leader. <laughs> Don't worry about it. If you think you're doing it too much, it's probably about right. So that idea of I don't know how to recognize my team and I and you know I can do it too much. These myths need to be dispelled, especially now. That was a long answer to a quick question. Did I, did I get it right? <laughs> oh, of course. I mean, I, I you know I I think you know the pretty common theme in in others I've had on the on the uh, podcast has been this underlying message of really paying attention to the soft stuff, and I yeah. use that kind of quotes right emotional intelligence, gratitude, uh, you know, really transparency and trust. Those are not necessarily things you can, as a leader, you can't manage what you don't measure. Well, how do you measure gratitude, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean it from its black and white form. Of course, you can in multiple ways. Is employee satisfaction up? You know, if your employees are happy, your customers are happy. If your employees and customers are happy, you know, they will buy more. If they buy more, then the shareholders are happy. Like it's this right. virtuous flywheel, but it has to start with the employees. And, you know, what are some things that you've in working with so many companies and leaders around gratitude? How have you positioned to them to lean into this as something that they want to start to embed into the culture of the business in a more formal way? Well, you know, we, we have a saying, we say, do it now, do it often, don't be afraid. You know, you think recognition is going to keep it. It won't. It's like a banana. They get ripe very quickly, right? If you see something, do it right now. So do it now. Do it often. You think you're doing it too much. Trust me, you're not. Nobody goes home at the end of the day and says, I couldn't get anything done. It just, it was a party. It was a trophy. <laughs> I got to start working from home. I can't get any work done. Nobody says that, right? And then thirdly, don't be afraid. They just go, well, what if I do it wrong? I go, you know what? You're going to, you're going to make mistakes. Nobody's really good at something right away. The more you do it, the better you're going to get. And here's the key, I think, more than anything, Tiffany, is if you want a culture of gratitude, you know, one where people feel safe to ideate, you know, to have that growth IQ, if I can steal a phrase from, from your wonderful work, is that, you know, I, I want to make sure that you are recognized, that you are valued, and then it moves forward. And by doing that, I give everybody else on my team permission to do the same. Because sometimes as leaders, we think, well, I'm the absolute repository of all recognition and goodness. It all goes top down. No, you want it to be peer to peer. And the more you do it, the more you give your team permission to recognize each other and encourage each other. One of my favorite tactics of great leaders that lead with gratitude is they look for small wins, small wins along the way that builds momentum, you know, to those big wins. You know, I, I often uh, coach uh, executives and say, Look, you're very good about celebrating when it's all over. You're not really good about celebrating the little wins along the way. You say, well, we're results oriented. I'm not going to celebrate till we get the results. And I'll say, well, are you a sports fan? They go, yeah. I say, well, when do you cheer for your team? When you get the final score? Or you say, well, no, we cheer on the way to the game. We cheer, you know, we, we cheer, you know, you, the, the, the idea of those tools uh, being classified as soft skills that are nice to have, not must have, drives me crazy. The soft skills are the hard skills, and they are the absolute must-haves to get people's minds and hearts emotionally engaged and looking for those small wins and understanding your team and doing it often and giving people permission, creating those safe places to ideate and, and pivot, I think is, is, is just really, really critical. Well, I couldn't agree more, and I think that's a great synopsis to sort of say uh, everything so many people now are feeling. Uh, and so if you could give, 
you know, not everyone's comfortable with what you just described, right? Because it it feels uh, too much on that woo-woo, airy-fairy, you know, <laughs> sort of, I don't know, whatever term floats your boat, right? But, you know, I'm listening and I don't really get it. I don't know why everybody talks about this. Like, everything's fine. My team loves me. Like, you know, I'm I'm a hard charger. Like, they get me. They get it. I'm not... I'm not going to listen. Maybe they even shut this off 15 minutes <laughs> They didn't ago. even get to Who this knows? part of the podcast. Yeah, they didn't even get to this part of the podcast. But, you know, what would be, you know, like, I'm listening. I'm a little uncomfortable with this kind of new way that employees are going to want to engage and have wanted. Maybe I just wasn't paying attention. So let's just say, but I want to change myself. Like, I want to make the effort to start to lean into being more available and more present and uh, more grateful, uh, and along the way, not just at the end, as you said, what would be the one, two or three things we could wrap this up with, uh, for people who want to enhance themselves and work on themselves at this point? You know, a uh, great question. And if I were to give you three really uh, good tips, one is think about how you engage people in your personal life you know, at home, your family, those people that are really near and dear to you. Every great leader we studied in our research for leading with gratitude, not only did they lead deeply in the workplace, they took it home with them. Those same principles they at home, they they engaged their their spouses, their 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 kids, you know, their cousins, their grandparents, whatever it was. And it was simply giving them time and being present. You know, so often we we are so focused on getting things done at work, we leave our best selves at work bring your best selves home. Well, in the leader you're describing, sometimes we leave our best selves at home and we don't take our best selves to work. So think about, you know, your family. You want to create those good feelings. Start from the family standpoint. Secondly, I would just say, look, spend some time with your team and say, look, I want, and be very open, honest, and transparent about it. Say, listen, I want to create a more a more uh, more of a culture of gratitude and and to do that i need to know what's important to you when you when you start to really knock it out of the park how do you want to be valued and recognized how can i do this better simply carving out just a few minutes to talk to your team and say what do you want and then thirdly with that input act on it you know they're going to tell you they're going to say hey look I love that we're hard charging. You know, there are times when I just need to take a day off and I need to be able to go to you and say, you know what, we've, we've put in, you know, five 18 hour days. I, I, I need Monday off and, and for that to be safe. So think about in your personal lives, you know, how that really drives relationships and, and safety. Secondly, spend some time with your team and just talk to them. How do you want to be celebrated? What kind of a team do you want us to have? And then act on that input. And I think that goes a long way to developing the kind of teams where people feel safe, where they can be innovative, where they can look for growth, both for the customer and for themselves. And boy, that's a, that's a win, win, win. Would you agree? I couldn't agree more. I think that that is a great way to wrap this up because, um, you know, I always want kind of to give people the sort of Monday morning you know, to-do list, if you will. So I often challenge, yeah. And I often challenge people to go, okay, you've now spent, you know, 25, 27 minutes listening to this podcast. It's going to be over in a minute or two. Are you going to sit there and, you know, whether you're driving around your treadmill or wherever you are listening, will you reflect? Will you take 
90 seconds, two, three, four minutes. We reflect on what you heard. And then will you actually, to your point, with that input, with those insights, will you do something different? Just a little pivot. It doesn't have to be a 180, right? Because that's that's like, you know, I'm going to go to the gym January 1st. That's my New Year's resolution. I haven't been to the gym in two years. You know, you might as well set yourself up for failure. But if you go, you know, I'm going to start walking, you know, 10 minutes a day and then 15 and then 20. And then, then I'm going to go, to, you know what I mean? Where you slowly build to it. I think taking the time to reflect and coming up with an action plan and, and doing something different because of what you heard, I think is really important. So thank you so much, Chester, for those great pieces of advice. No, you're more than welcome. You know, I hope at post COVID that there are three things that happen. I hope that we're just more grateful, that we really are grateful for the things we have and not worry about the things we don't have, that we're more kind. And thirdly, that we're more patient. You know, people are dealing with a lot of stuff right now. Assume positive intent about people. They're trying to get things done. They may not get back to you right away, and that's okay. So be grateful, be kind, and be patient. And if that comes out of this virus, I think as a society and organizations, as people, we're going to be better off. Well, thank you so much. What a great way to end, Chester. Well, you know, for our listeners that want more of your wonderful wisdom and insight, how can they keep in touch with what you're doing? I am so glad you asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah. Our books are available on Amazon and all the, all those great uh, places where you get books online. You know, uh, thecultureworks.com is our training company. There's a lot of uh, great downloads and stuff there. And we've created a wonderful website called leadingwithgratitudebook.com. You can download the first chapter, the foreword. There's lots of fun videos. We've got all our podcasts in there as well. And as always, uh, follow us on LinkedIn. We're constantly doing LinkedIn Lives, and we hope to have you as a guest on our LinkedIn Live show soon. There's great content. There's great guests and great information, and we hope you'll join us. Well, again, thank you, Chester, for sharing your wisdom. I am grateful for you spending a half hour with us today. So thank you. Stay safe. Uh, you know, stay healthy, all of those things. And I hope to uh, stay in touch with you because this has just really been a pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. Been a pleasure. Thank you, Tiffany. Wow, I sure enjoyed that conversation with Chester. The thing I'm going to leave you with was his three asks from us. One, be more grateful. Two, be more kind. Three, be more patient. I hope you have an amazing week. Thank you for spending time with us today on the What's Next podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, leave some feedback, tell your friends. But more importantly, make sure you're being good to yourself and to your family and to those around you during this time. Take care.